0: Dr. Lisa Fitzpatrick, founder of Grapevine Health and your host of the Grapevine Health Podcast, a podcast highlighting stories, health insights, and experiences of community members. We started this podcast because too often discussions and decision making about health and the healthcare system don't include perspectives from the people we serve. So, listeners, if you have a personal story or an experience from working in the community or on the front lines of healthcare, Contact us and we might have you on the show. Today I'm talking to Mr. Kenneth Diggs, co founder of Eagle's Nest, a nonprofit in Washington, D.C., focused on social support for youth. Our conversation left me frustrated, but feeling grateful. Hello, Kenny. Hello, good afternoon, doctor. I heard about your organization um, a while ago and uh, even came to one of your tournaments. So I would love it if you would just first introduce yourself and tell people about your organization.
1: Okay, well, I'm Kenny Diggs, Vice President of Eagles Nest Youth Association. We've been proudly working the community of
0: uh, Ward 8 uh, for about 16 years. Now. Oh, wow, that long.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, as an official uh, 501c3 youth development nonprofit for 15 years, and uh, very rewarding work. But we have our moments, and uh, it becomes daunting sometimes. But very, 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 uh, very substantial work.
0: So what? Tell us about Eagles Nest. What? What specifically do you all do?
1: Eagles Nest uh, basically uh, is a support system. We, you know, how we were founded. Fitzpatrick is that uh, we we recognized early on that uh, resources weren't making it toward it, and there was no there was nothing in place for our young, our young people, and we just weren't able. Our kids weren't being rewarded, so we had a sporting event, uh, uniforms, trophy. They were scarce on our end, and so he was not uh, took up that mantle and that responsibility in providing those type of uh, resources and, and accolades and kudos for our young people. We just wanted to reward them and the proverbial dangling of the carrot in order for our young people to respond to the services and agendas that we had for them.
0: And who and who is not rewarding them? Are you talking about the school system or another organization? Can you?
1: I'll, I'll say systemic. Without, without being uh, without being facetious or, or being nasty, uh, I'll just say the system. I think uh, systematically Ward Eight has been um, boxed out. Uh, even when I was a, k- a kid, I was affected by that same uh, that same uh, ideology in our city. Where and I like to I like to refer to it as region hate. So we we're pro Ward Eight. We're pro Southeast Southwest all day every day.
0: So I'm fascinated by this tournament you have every year. Shoot hoops, not bullets. You want to tell people a little bit about that and the purpose?
1: Um, that that is that is one of our uh, that's one of our greatest accomplishments, uh, and, I'm, and I'm so glad that you've done your homework. Um, so shoot hoops, not bullets uh, was founded in 2008. It was you know we had we had a few deaths in the community, and we you know. The, the landscape was somewhat like now, but not exactly like now. Back then, the violence was more identifiable. It wasn't as random. There wasn't as much self-hate, although, you know, this type of violence is always rooted in self-hate. There was a particular pride that back then. Uh, communities and areas and product uh, was more like the the corporate for the violence now it's just hate these young people are so angry uh and so shoot not bullet was founded where we could you know we had area beefs we had uh, community beefs and that that's as old as i am and so
0: so can we, you explain but can you explain to people what you mean for people who might be listening and they're not familiar with this term beef so what are you talking about
1: conflict uh, community mm-hmm. conflict mm-hmm. so you have one neighborhood who for whatever reason you had a go-go whatever issue uh, that these young people or individuals would deem as an issue and it would create a conflict and you're talking about some of the summer months and in the summer months the heat and maybe unemployment or some social ills that are taking place that's a powder cave in the past that, that that was part of the, the issue and uh, we had the foresight to come up with a a, a caveat that could not only bring the communities together, but bring uh, senseless gun violence to a standstill. We've been very successful at. It.
0: There's still quite a few pockets of violence in southeast, though. What do you think the solutions are? Uh,
1: I wouldn't call it pockets right now. It, it's not. It's no longer pockets. Pockets maybe about five, six years ago. Now it's just if you, if you, if you're really in tune to the news, these youngsters have, lost, uh, have uh, military grade weaponry, and uh, it's in the streets. So it's no longer pockets, and, and
0: Meaning, you think it's just all over, or
1: yeah, it's abs- it's, it's, it's worse now. Oh wow, huh? Worse now because the the attitude behind the pistols and the weapons has changed uh there you know there's a there's a more sinister and sociopathic mentality be- behind this this this, this violence. what mm. much, much, much different from years ago. You know, you may have had one or two uh really sociopathic killers back in the day now you got quite a few of them running around.
0: Wow. So I asked, I interviewed Miss Hardy a few weeks ago, and I asked her the same question I'm going to ask you. And that is, how much do you think movies, music, television are influencing the psychology behind violence, particularly gun violence?
1: You know, the, the, the Chicago the music that came out of Chicago, it was, it was very violent. And it spoke to the culture in Chicago. We knew then that we were going to have some issues. But I think I believe five or six years ago we could have got we we had a handle on it and had we come together it could have made major strides and, and, and it not being the way that it is today. Today I don't think the music the music just reinforces it now, but back maybe five to six years ago. It actually set the framework it actually created the the, the the blueprint for what you got right now and so your 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 music is is always an outward expression of where you are, how you feel, what you're doing, where you at, where you're going you know and so our young people very expressive with music look at the look at the reemergence of go 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 should never go go should never have been it should never have been an option for gogo to not be representatives uh in this in this city you know clubs were closed so we we had we had political mandates that that basically killed off the culture you're going to replace that with something so a lot of these youngsters are just angry and they don't care now if you can do it once they look at it like you can do it again you you can kill what we like with, and now they're forced to fight to keep something that is a natural uh, should be a natural right in this city, but now it's it's back, uh, so to speak. But uh, we've we've planted some really bad seeds, and uh, the same energy that you that it took for you to plant those seeds is now you got to go in there and dig up the roots.
0: So where do we go then? Because as you know, I'm concerned about health, and yeah. I and I'm sure you know being a Ward A resident, I'm sure. The violence is affecting the health of the community, and as I listen to you, I'm feeling a little bit deflated. So I want you to give me some hope. Tell me if there are solutions. If people are listening to this, and they're either organizations or funders or healthcare providers, what what can we do?
1: I'm not the expert, but I'm I'm going to try to so. We're in a really bad place in terms of young people in their, and their attitudes toward, towards violence. I was in Iraq for I was in Iraq for 18 months, and so I know what uh, protecting your community looks like. And that's not this kind of violence. This violence is we don't care. I don't care. I don't care about you. So when you have that type of mentality, and our young people, we we got some great young people. Like we're in a place right now where. We've got youngsters who are incredibly bright Mm -hmm. and incredibly, incredibly brilliant and these exciting times. But then on the flip side of that, you have people who are just as bad. We're we're talking about uh, parallel energies. And so nowadays youngsters like to refer to demons and these demons are real and they're prevalent. And so, these young people are running, and then you add in they're running with this, and then you add in the you add in the drugs, the narcotics, the the alcohol, and so because when I was younger, you know, I didn't start, I didn't, I didn't smoke my first joint until I was twenty, maybe twenty five, twenty no 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 I'm sorry twenty four. I didn't I didn't take my first drink uh, until I was twenty two, and so now we've got youngsters, uh, we've got kids as young as twelve. Who are doing it all, mm-hmm. and it's a so it. it, it I, I, I hate to say, well, and you you said something earlier. You know, I'm, I want some hope, and the youngsters <laughs> needed hope. They wanted hope. You know, we needed hope as an organization, and we didn't get it. And we still have to work. We we dug deep. We we're here. Uh, we we have to remain innovative Make no make no mistake about it. We are where we are. and these youngsters are are angry. Man, and I hate to say it like that, but
0: they really are. Yeah. Well, let's shift and talk a little bit then for, about what that means for this pandemic. One of the challenges I think health departments and health systems are facing is that while some places have flattened the curve, we have not been able to stop transmission. And a lot of this is related to people dismissing public health advice. Absolutely. So what what are you what are you seeing and hearing in the community with respect to coronavirus and what do you think it would take to get some of these messages through?
1: Interesting question. Well, we again, uh, Ward 8 is full of resiliency uh, and it can be a misplaced. It can be a misplaced bravery. It can be a misplaced courage. Uh, very courageous people in Ward 8 and that can easily be flipped on the, on the nefarious side. And so you have people who, you know, we, we face, you know, in Ward 8, we, we face struggle and strife. is normal. You know, as I was saying, uh, if it ain't rough, it ain't right. And South uh, Ward 8, Ward 8 natives are accustomed to to strikes, but we always find a way to overcome. And persevere. We've always been able to make a way. It's been this way all my life. I'm 48 years old, so I, I have a few youngsters that I, I've raised in housing projects. They're successful entrepreneurs now. And 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 if you and if you saw you saw some of these projects 20 years ago, no way, that was impossible. Mm-hmm. But we have, but we, but we have these Jews nevertheless. So um, that with with that with that same mentality, you know we, we kind of go all out. And so with that, that's, you add in a sense of apathy and hopelessness, you know, uh, they don't care. They're trying, to, they're trying to get their next meal. They're trying to get their next pair of tennis shoes. You know, we're talking about we're talking minimal survival or minimal pleasure. You know, they don't want to take a vacation. They don't want to go out to the country. They don't want to get on a plane and fly. You know, they just, just want to go to the store and, and some of the youngsters and get a, a fresh white tea. You know, mm-hmm. get, get a nice, get something to drink on. So we have to broaden their exposure and broaden their horizons to bigger and better and greater. Yeah. Um, and and, that, and that's the bottom line. Once once we expose them to something bigger than themselves, then they can kind of embrace and and see the light at the end of the tunnel. But they didn't get there, they didn't they didn't get here by themselves. Sure. You know what I'm saying.
0: So is it unlikely that uh, we'll be able to get through to them? With these messages we're, we're um, transmitting around about uh, coronavirus, saying things like, do it for your grandmother, do it for your uncle, because you can get coronavirus and you want to protect you know, the elders. Do you think those messages resonate at all, or are we wasting our time?
1: I think you're wasting your time. You, you, you have to meet them where they are. You've know, you got to meet people where they are.
0: And so, what should the message be if we want them to recognize they could be transmitting coronavirus?
1: The thing about this, uh, people are learning and working on the fly. They're really not a lot of experts on it. You you get a lot of different uh, info packs and information flying all over the place. And <laughs> today it's one thing, tomorrow it's something else. Next week it'll be something else. And and, and you know this place is you know. The, People communities are being opened up, and you're phase in one, two, and three, but the ill is still there. So it, it, a lot of this is there's so much confusion around it, and then to ask, and then to ask that question, and to actually pose the challenge to young people to to adhere to and to be responsible in, uh, it's kind of insane. And and so we 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 as adults, we're gonna and as and as reputable organizations and people who really really care. Uh, that's the first step. I think people have to stop bickering and pointing fingers and saying, "Hey, President Trump dropped the ball." It's not about that. No, who who knew about this thing? Who knew about this virus? This this is so. It's just a it's a weird dynamic. It hasn't killed as many people with swine flu, but it's more supposedly more lethal. So there's so much information, and then you have young people who are at. Who, ha- who are apathetic about their lives and their communities and outside of themselves? And you're mixing all that up. Then you then you throw a recession in there with mm. money products. It's just so much. Then you got food banks and so you got a lot going on. Yeah. So the people who are experts and what it is that they're experts in, I like to say we've got to we've got to find our lanes. We got to know our lanes. We got to get our nose. And mm. once we get in there, we got to stay there. And we got to grind it out. Be good at what you do, and uh, and and the, and the powers that be and the people with the resources have to recognize and fund those experts. Don't just create, don't just create test tube situations to to, to to permanent immediate problems. That's another issue we have in this area. People people just out of anywhere just making up stuff. You got something that works there? Put the resources with that, please. That's simple. But we don't do that. We want to reinvent the wheel. We got these agendas and I ain't gonna get into all of that but this is it's crazy
0: yeah so the the, um, the the last question I have for you is more advice about how people can offer support and help to the community and this mm-hmm. comes up a lot because people you know I'm I'm connected to lots of different institutions okay. uh, so people might come to me and say we we have all these volunteers they want to come and they want to help in the community. Um, yeah. What what can they do? And some people might go and help some of the organizations with packaging food or delivering food and things like that. But for the people who feel like they want to be on the ground, connecting with people, having conversations, yeah. but they're yeah. not from here and they're very culturally dissimilar to the people in this community. Right. What, right. Is, what is your advice? How should they approach that? Or is it even smart for them to think in that way?
1: No, I think uh, you move into a place and you claim it as your own. You have a responsibility to get in, you know, get in where you fit in. Organizations like like ours, um, Parks and Recreation, uh, definitely jump in, jump in. Uh, DPR is is very knowledgeable of events and organizations who are doing certain things in the community. So, and they have a volunteer, they have a volunteer database. I, I would start with DPR. DPR, when I was coming up, had a responsibility, and they they met that challenge, man. They met the challenge of community and youth, and, and providing leisure activities, and and keeping keeping the community tight. DPR was DPR was excellent at
0: this. So that's so, the Department of Parks and Rec. Parks and Rec.
1: Yeah. So and and so you got feeding programs at recreation centers. You have. Uh, conflict resolution programs. You got different programs that I think, if a volunteer really wanted to identify a particular source, that's just one. That's just one. Uh, that's just one portal uh, to visit and and to find and locate. Who can I get with? Who's doing what? Another one is ANCs. You know, ANCs are there. A- ANCs are knowledgeable of who who's doing what. Uh, Ward eight has quite a few ANCs, so. Um, I would also start there, Mm -hmm. uh, identify reputable organizations who are doing what they say they do. And when you do that, the volunteers, Uh, we we absolutely have opportunities for, uh, volunteers when, you know, uh, pre-corona, we got to figure this thing out post-corona.
0: Yeah. So it doesn't—it doesn't matter um, what what your skin color is or how much money you make. If you jump in with some of these trusted organizations, that's the answer. That's the answer. Get your hands dirty. That's my motto. You know, uh, you put your hands on it, then it's yours. <laughs> That was Mr. Kenneth Diggs, co-founder of Eagle's Nest. He offered some great advice for those who want to connect and engage with communities that are culturally different than your own. Thanks for listening to the Grapevine Health Podcast. Our producer is Nicholas Elias. Please like us on social media. You can find us at Grapevine Health on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram, and on Twitter at Health Grapevine. Until next time, I'm Dr. Lisa, signing off.